Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you in part by Growmark FS. For over 95 years, we've led the game. Power, we restored it. Protection, we reinvented it. Record yields, we redefined it. If there's one thing we know at FS, it's that just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. We're never satisfied unless we take your farming operation to the next level. Run your equipment at peak efficiency and bust the bins this season. Visit fssystem.com. The views and opinions of this program are those of the host, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Another busy show on tap for you here today as we are wrapping up the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri. Thanks for joining us here on Market Talk. Jesse Allen with you as we are going to be talking markets here on today's program. Arlen Suderman with Stone X will be joining me coming up here in just a little bit. We'll also have a conversation with Cole Stock from Western Grain Marketing coming up here later in the show as well. And much more on the way here on Market Talk today as we are wrapping up the NAFB convention in Kansas City for another year. Kicking things off, though, joining us now, we're going to talk a little bit about the carbon markets and more. Lance Rupert with Cromark FS is joining us here today. Lance, great to have you sit down with us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And you are the manager of strategic market development, and you handle a lot with carbon markets. And obviously, carbon markets, uh, this is a topic that is really hot in agriculture right now. There's a lot of conversations being had on, on many different levels in terms of carbon markets. Uh, there's, there's just a lot going on surrounding this piece of the industry and the opportunity that is there for farmers, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, a lot of unknowns. It's being built right now. Uh, so with that comes confusion, lack of information. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, we're trying to figure out where we fit in it and help mm-hmm. enable growers to access those markets. And hopefully it's a win for everybody in the supply chain or in the value chain. Sure. It's kind of like the Wild West right now, isn't it? To your point, like a lot of there's, there's confusion, misconception, a lot of just things being thrown out there that it, it, yeah. it's kind of the Wild West as folks figure out their place in, in the carbon markets. Yeah, as a perfect example of that uh last fall basically a little over a year ago biden administration passed the inflation reduction act inside of that right there's potential tax credits for refineries that are uh, lowering their carbon footprint and part of that can be feedstocks from agriculture for renewable diesel sustainable aviation fuel even ethanol so there's, there's numbers out there that people are kind of quoting, but a year later, the IRS hasn't come down with the final rulings on what, what the rules of the road are. So we've, we still really don't know exactly, you know, uh, the direction these things need to head into. We have the general direction, but not the exacts. So <clears throat> it's all building, and until we have those rules, we can skate. In the right direction, but we know we don't know exactly the de- destination. So that that adds to the confusion, right? And mm-hmm. then on the uh, I'll call it the food side, the CPG uh, side, uh, 
you know, they're, they're trying to maneuver through this with a lot of rules or direction as well. Uh, so it's a, it's a, uh, their market's in flux and a market's in progress, right? So mm-hmm. as, at Growmark and FS, we're trying to see where we fit and help facilitate those conversations. I've used the analogy. It feels like to me as the middle guy a little bit, you got the junior high dance situation going on where you get the the girls on one side and the guys on the other. So we get the growers on one side and the food companies on the <laughs> other or the fuel fuel companies. And it feels like they need somebody in the middle to like introduce them and, mm-hmm. you know, to facilitate discussions and building these markets like you're discussing. Sure. So we're hopeful that we can do that. And, you know, in the end, I think it's going to benefit all sides, right? Well, and I think I think with Growmark FS, obviously, you guys have a lot of different facets to what you do and, and the things you provide growers from agronomy to fuel, to you, you name it. And so, like you said, kind of being that middle person facilitating the conversations here, it, it, folks are just trying to figure out their place and how carbon and sustainability in general really kind of plays into agriculture. And as we know, farmers have been stewards of the land for generations and it feels like just now this conversation i think is being more amplified on on a broader scale right yes very i would much think so. so yeah and ho- you know hopefully it's another uh, a new revenue stream for growers right uh mm-hmm. you know nobody's nobody's gonna make crazy amounts of monies on this but mm-hmm. it's new it's a new revenue stream and a lot of the practices and a lot of the things are agronomic agronomically sound like you're saying being stewards of the land or trying to be as efficient as we can with our fertilizer dollar you know things like that and still output is important and that's the thing i think sometimes gets lost we talk about cover crops and uh reducing tillage and you know maybe lowering nitrogen rates or things like that but at the end of the day one of the key uh factors of a carbon intensity score per bushel is how many bushels you actually raised, right? <laughs> so keeping yields on the upward trend is still very important because a carbon intensity score with the same inputs, right? It's way higher if you grow 100 bushel corn versus 200. <laughs> so, you know, doing all the right things to drive profitability at the farm gate is still, you know, the focus on all this as far yeah. as we're concerned. I, I definitely agree. Well, and uh, of course, uh, thinking about carbon markets and all the conversations there and as i kind of alluded to with growmark fs you guys do a lot of different things to help growers across the country across the midwest and just some highlights some thoughts for you here as we round out the year think about next year i know this is uh this is decision time for a lot of growers making yeah. seed decisions fuel you name it fertilizer etc so what would you just kind of remind folks as they're making all these decisions for their operation right. right now. Yeah, in this arena, probably the biggest thing that I could say to any grower as they're looking to the future is uh, we call it kind of kind of get your data house in order. Okay. Because yeah. the data, you know, about the things you are doing on that acre on that farm is what drives all this in the end, right? Uh, <clears throat> you got to. For basically quantify, use that data, quantify uh, a carbon footprint reduction or increase for that matter, just seeing where you're at, where you've been, where you're going. Uh, and that's what drives the value, that, that carbon asset you're, you're creating. 
it feels a little nebulous because it's not a physical thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of an output of a calculation or the things that you are physically doing on the farm. But if you don't have that data, uh, you, you really can't play in the game. So getting prepared to collect the data, to be able to submit that data as easy and as painless as possible would be one key thing that growers need to start thinking about, right? And everybody's at a different stage in the journey on that, on that side. And then, you know, just ask questions, get informed, uh, and start looking, uh, you know, most offset markets are pretty geographically dispersed, right? Mm -hmm. You can do that about everywhere. But inset markets or supply chain scope three markets will be very geographically based on a a grain shed, you know, elevator type basis. So, you know, ask, ask local elevators, you know, start probing a little bit. You know, do your end users, are they starting to ask you questions about these types of things? That way you at least have an idea mm-hmm. if something's coming to an elevator near you. All right, great stuff there. Lance Rupert with Growmark FS. Thanks for joining us today here at NAFB. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right, up next, Arlen Suderman with Stonex here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now for market analysis here at the NAFB Convention of Kansas City, Missouri, Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stone X. Arlen, it is uh, it's great to see you in person. I know we uh, we talk typically every day on the phone, but it's always nice to sit face to face and have a conversation. Absolutely. NAFB is a great opportunity to get together and uh, to see a lot of people from across the industry. And uh, it's great to be able to see you face-to-face and work together. Definitely. Well, we always appreciate uh, your time and thoughts. And let's, uh, let's talk about this market trade uh, overall. We, we started the week with a, a rally in soybeans. And now here towards the end of the week, we're kind of falling apart with this soybean rally we have been. Um, I know a lot of this is tied to South America and the weather issues in Brazil to a, a certain degree. Uh, talk about that just to start. It, it sounds like the weather model's getting a little wetter. Uh, it, it's just it's the volatility of a weather market, right? Yeah, exactly right. And trying to build a bull market based on weather problems in another major producing area of the world has its challenges. And here's the challenges. It's a totally different climate area, totally different soil type area. The soils are rough. It takes more rain in those areas. They generally get more rain. Normal rainfall for November in center west Brazil, which is primarily Mato Grosso and the areas surrounding that. And I need to say that Mato Grosso is 1.3 times the size of Texas. So when you see someone from down there post a picture on social media about how dry it is or how wet it is, note that it's, you know, backyarditis can really be a factor as well that there's a lot of variation even within Mato Grosso. There are some areas of Mato Grosso over the last month have had three, four more inches of rain and some have had almost zero. And so naturally you're gonna have a lot of variation, but overall they've been below normal, they've been dry. They've overall, that's been the trend this year, but within a cycle of big rains in the forecast, by the time they move forward in the forecast, they turn into kind of scattered where some get it and some don't, but generally disappoint. 
and then we go hot and dry again. And that cycle's likely to continue. And as we go into the weekend now, we're looking at a wetter cycle. And this has the potential to be wetter than anyone that any cycle that we've had so far this growing season. So that's something we're gonna to have to pay attention to. The models disagree. If you look at the European model, we're looking at three to five inches across almost the entire soybean belt. If you look at the American model, it's saying that ah, it's gonna be scattered and widespread, maybe an inch, inch and a half of rain, and then it turns hot and dry again. The bottom line is we gotta have rain, but these rains will buy some time. So for now, we're taking weather premium back out. It may come back in, but we have to keep that perspective. As we go forward, what losses can we anticipate? Looking back at the last 30 years, we've only exceeded 10% uh, drop from trend yield twice. One was uh, 11% and one was 14%. This year, Commodity Weather Group says is most like 2015-16 growing season. And in that year, we saw a 9% drop from trend yield. Well, a 10% drop would give us a crop of about 147 million metric tons. That would be a drop of about 16 million metric tons. Well, Argentina is expected to be up 23 to 25 million metric tons this year. So that doesn't necessarily mean an increase in U.S. exports. Um, so we have to keep some perspective here. Weather premium is all it is right now. And uh, so when it's forecast is dry, we add premium. When it's wet, we take it out. Well, and thinking about this too, uh, just I think to speak to the fact that we're in a weather market, a South American weather market here, we had a marketing year high on export sales for soybeans um, announced on Thursday morning. We largely expected those Chinese uh, sales to be on the books. Market's really not blinking an eye, though, here at the end of the week at, at those big export sales. And I think that's a testament to the weather market environment we're in, Arlen. Yeah, it really is. And we saw just shy of 4 million metric tons sold during the weekend on November 9th. The bulk of that was to China, um, announced in the flash reports, the daily flash reports at the time. And based on our cash sources on the ground in China, we know that the bulk of those were purchases by state-owned enterprises. And the private buyers, for private crushers, they were pretty patient. They're just kind of sitting back. They're not panicked. They're waiting to see how this plays out in Brazil. But the state buyers came in. So was that a panic buy? Or was it just trying to grease the wheels a little bit and soften the relationships ahead of um, President Xi Jinping's meeting with President Biden? Maybe a combination of the two, but probably it was more just kind of greasing the wheels ahead of that meeting because there's been virtually no indication thus far of follow-up sales to those enterprises. And so all that did, with that big sale announced by USDA, all that did was help us catch up and close some of the deficit of how far we were behind on the pace needed to hit USDA's target for the year. So, so far, no, in, no need to increase USDA's current export target. Let's talk about the corn market. Uh, we have a lot of corn on hand, a great, uh, U.S. harvest that ended up, I think, bigger than expected for some folks. Uh, world supplies are ample. And, and so this corn market largely just feels like it is, uh, it is chopping around here, hasn't done much in, in months, Arlen. And as you kind of look at corn here, I know some folks have talked about the potential of more downside risk here. Uh, 
soybeans not able to provide enough support because corn just doesn't have a bullish story right now. I mean, what's your thoughts of this corn market right now? Yeah, you said it right there. Corn doesn't have a bullish story, neither corn or wheat. So the only times that we really get strength is when something causes the funds that have big short sold positions to unwind them. They get nervous, so they unwind them, be it a technical signal or a headline about something happening in the Black Sea or something like that. So that means the path of least resistance is lower when you combine it with the fact that the funds are, tend to be bearish the commodity sector as a whole anyway. And you look at what's happening with crude oil. That creates headwinds for the corn market as well. Um, and I think it's important to, put the, to have that perspective. There's nothing bullish about a 2.1 billion bushel carryout. So if you're looking at 92 million acres in this coming year uh, to be planted, I think it'll probably be something like 91 or 92 million. And you have to assume at this point a trend yield. Uh, that just, you, you can build supplies even above this level. There's nothing bullish there until we can rebuild demand. Now, cattle, more cattle on feed than what we anticipate. That's mm -hmm. a positive. Ethanol is a positive. Um, but exports, no, not so much. And, and the only way to turn that story around is a problem with Brazil's safrina corn crop. That's very possible, but we're not even going to plant that crop for a few more months. And so even if they do have a short crop, that's going to improve exports for our 24-25 marketing year, not this current year. So I, I want to put perspective on it and people, uh, particularly when you look at that December 24 contract and trading up around $5, don't discount those possibilities if you're locking in your inputs at the same time. It's about risk management at this point. There's so many options and tools in the toolbox, and Arlen, you and I have talked about that many times. It's just about being a smart risk manager for your marketing plan and your operation at this point in time, right? Absolutely. Very well said, Jesse. That's exactly what it is. We had some good years, but let's not expect every year to be that good. And let's focus on plans that protect the equity that we built during those good years. And if we get the opportunity to build on it, that's great. But let's be sure to protect that equity. You mentioned cattle. I just want to ask you real quick. Uh, we got a cattle on feed report coming up here Friday afternoon. Uh, cattle markets are, it feels like squaring positions ahead of that report. Sounds like the placements number is going to be pretty hefty. And I wonder, do we do we worry that that could give us a, a deja vu from October? Or maybe is it is it already factored into this market? What do you think, Arlen? Well, it, it, the market's really struggling with the confidence issue. We pulled back about $19 off of our highs in a relatively short period of time, and then we kind of bounced and consolidating, and now where does this report come in? A year ago was a, relative, a really low number, so 7% placements above year ago is kind of the expectations. But that aside, it's going to be pretty close to the five-year average, we think. So we have bunched up the cattle. We've pulled them forward because of weather problems that are still out there. That means a deeper hold down the road. But near term, it means that we're going to start 2024 with cattle numbers very similar to year-ago levels. Markets price that in. doesn't, But there's a lack of confidence that we are, are done going lower. The funds had a lot of big, long positions. Mm -hmm. Trying to see now um, if they're willing to hold what they have left or liquidate some more of them. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining me here in Kansas City, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jesse.
And once again, that is Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at Stonex, joining us here live in Kansas City at the NAFB convention. All right, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Cole Stock with Western Grain Marketing. We'll get his thoughts on this market trade action wrapping up the week on Friday and more. That's coming up next as we're back with Market Talk on the way right after this. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on Market Talk as we wrap up the week of trade on Friday. We've been busy in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. And uh, we wanted to get some perspective uh, and go over to Illinois and uh, we've talked with uh, our next guest uh, once before during the Farm Progress Show and really had a great conversation, and we wanted to get him back on the show and and talk again. So joining us today, Cole Stock with Western Grain Marketing. And Cole, it is good to talk with you again, my friend, and uh, hopefully uh, things are going well there in Illinois. Sounds like you guys wrapped up harvest uh, a couple of weeks ago in your area. Yeah, harvest uh, for the most part. Uh, we ended uh, three or four weeks ago, roughly. Uh, you know, our territory, uh, Western Grain, we're spanning from Jacksonville and you just go 100 miles north to, to Galesburg. So, I mean, we're we're covering a lot of miles. Um, mm-hmm. Our northern region, they still have a little bit to finish up. But compared to most years, yeah, man, this was a this was a quick one. Well, talk about how things kind of wrapped up the year. What have you seen from your customers as far as yields? I've heard a lot of folks who said uh, better than expected yields, considering the weather that we had all year. Sure, no doubt. So looking at our territory, really, let's call it south of the Illinois River is where where we'll start. Uh, Corn, call it five to maybe as much as 15% off versus last year, a lot of 220 to 230. Uh, Beans, those were pretty much right in line with last year, 75 to 80 and it's really when you get north of the Illinois River and keep moving towards Galesburg, where they had yields, uh, both corn and beans, that were just as good as last year, and even some that were that were record uh, mm-hmm. for this year. And and we were expecting that heading into this year with uh, a spread out and the timeliness of the rains that we did receive. You know, most of the time you can get your whole territory. Hey, this is where this is where we think we're going to finish or where we'll be at. And it was, we were pretty widespread. So all in all, as a company though, I would say really comparable to last year, as far as our harvest handle, you had a little bit of bad, you had a little bit of good, you know, add them up and and we had a good fall. Well, as farmers are thinking about uh, some of their marketing for those uh, bushels that they pulled out of the field here this mm-hmm. year, I want to talk about this. You know, uh, we just had a, a November WASD report here uh, earlier in the month, and I, I feel like since then we got some numbers there, bigger corn crop from USDA, slightly bigger soybean crop. I, I'd say mm-hmm. really overall the report was 
neutral to bearish, uh, mm-hmm. but soybeans uh, have rallied and then given back a lot of the rally here this week, especially. And it feels like we, we got through the WASD and then really turned this into a South American weather market. Is that yeah. kind of your thoughts? I mean, talk about the, the recent WASD and just some of the South American weather story sure. that's been playing here. Yeah. So as we've, as we finished up harvest and, you know, our, our sites are set on marketing uh, for us, you know, we always store a lot of soybeans this year. We had about a 10% increase in uh, our soybean storage for grain disposition. So uh, more bushels where there's no, no pricing on it. Right. Uh, corn, we almost doubled uh, the bushels that we typically store. So, I mean, that, you know, we know that should be a given because the hesitancy to market uh, in the summer months. And then we know what price action did uh, as we headed into fall. So guys got a guys and gals got a lot of bushels uh, that they don't have a price on them with. Right. So when we're looking at uh, price action, and what the market's done since fall is wrapped up. I mean, corn, you've been in a range for. Uh, two to three months, call it. Mm-hmm. It feels like diesel has been 450 to 480. There hasn't been a story in corn. It's soybeans. We're looking at that marketplace. These things are $1.25 to $1.50 higher than when the customer started harvesting them. So, you know, our message is we need to take advantage and reward this marketplace uh, when we see these kind of rallies and your storage has worked the way it's intended to work. Uh, you know, we like to call it grabbing a piece of pie, taking a bite of the apple, whatever you want to call it. Let's make a sale and reward this market. Um, you know, and the reason, obviously, you said it, why have we been rallying? Well, it's weather in South America, future uncertainty. So that's going to play a bigger role here as we walk our way forward uh, entering these winter months. But, you know, what I want to remind our customer base, it was only a short while ago. Remember this summer in corn? We had a six in front of it. Mm-hmm. it was, oh my gosh, how high can we go? What do I do? I like this price. I don't know what I'm going to raise, right? So what was corn, as I said, during harvest, 450 to 480? Um, so we can't lose sight that in these weather markets, things can change. They can change rapidly. When I'm looking at corn, you know, I'm going to call it a dollar to a dollar fifty range, right? We could see mid to to lower fours, mid or lower to, to mid fives, uh, upside pretty capped and limited. You're going to need some, you're going to need some more action out of South America. Ports uh, mm-hmm. remain, you know, those remain a pretty big question mark. Um, Ethanol has been pretty good. It's uh, been solid to start the start the crop year. Um, you look at beans, man. That's where you know what do we call the range? Three to three fifty. I mean upper 11s, lower 12s to who knows on the upside, right? But again, uh, when we rallied like like we have, that's our message. Hey, don't lose sight of what we've put into this marketplace and take advantage of that. Sure. Rewarding those rallies are so important. Uh, what are you hearing from a lot of your customer base? Or what are you seeing as far as uh, folks who have rewarded the rally? I mean, are they just make it straight cash sales? Are, are we looking mm-hmm. at some DP here? I mean, what's what's kind of the hot thing right now that you're hearing uh, around your area, mm-hmm. your Cole? Uh, we've started off, our, our customer base has done a really good job of rewarding the soybean market, taking advantage, you know, once we started at 13, 1325, 
1350s. We've been busy buying beans the last couple of weeks here. So they've done an excellent job. Uh, we've had a lot of good conversations with our customer base. Hey, if you don't want to make the sale and if you want to leave some upside open, let's look at buying a put option and at least setting a floor like we talked about, protecting that $1.25 to $1.50 gain th that we've had in the last mm -hmm. uh, four weeks. Uh, corn side, corn's, corn's been slow. A lot of offers working. Uh, let's call it decent Jan, you know, five to five and a quarter to get started on sales. But our customers have done an excellent job rewarding the soybean market. And then looking ahead, hey, where do I put my next offers? What can I do to, to mitigate risk? Yeah, that's what it's all about. And well, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're busy mitigating and, and minimizing our risk right now. And I know a lot of farmers are, are making decisions for 24 as well. Are you seeing a lot, hearing a lot, thinking about this uh, upcoming crop year now? It's hard to think we're wrapping up harvest already and switching into a new <laughs> crop year, Cole. But yeah. uh, as some of those decisions are being made this winter, are some folks uh, looking mm -hmm. at rewarding the rally on some of these 24 contracts yes. too? What are you hearing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you you know, prior to today, you more or less had call it five and 13 available for, for a hedge to arrive and just getting something out there, getting something on the books and, and getting started. So, yeah, we've seen a little bit of movement um, in those in those months. And, you know, that's the message again is look what look what we've done in the last four or five weeks. Mm -hmm. Let's 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 talk about rewarding this marketplace or, or starting to work some of these offers. Yeah, it's uh, things to think about. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it's no secret um, that there's a lot of decisions that have to be made this time of year. And it's something right. else to think about because as we know, I mean, we got a long way to go before we start putting seed in mm -hmm. the ground here in the U.S. And we got the South American crop to get through as well. And so there's, uh, there's plenty of news items ahead. So to me, it just seems like when it comes to risk management, uh, having a plan is important, right, Cole? The, the yeah. lock it in the bin and set it and forget it's not really a marketing plan. So having something on the books and, and ready to go is important, isn't it? Yeah. No, I mean, you said it. There, there is a long way to go. And right now we're, we're in that transition year, right? We're coming off of those fundamentally bull markets, tight stocks, we're refilling pipelines. Okay, here's a black swan of South American weather. So that, you know, throws another wrench into the marketing plan. But when I look at some of our, you know, our customer base of corn, for example, you know, we're just not the only ones. It was everywhere. Nobody wanted to go and, and step out and, and no. put corn on the books. But when I go back and look at some of our, our contracts from this year, um, some of the most successful sales were if the customer just said, hey, I'm not wavering. I'm not buying into this this weather scare. I might take my bushels down a little bit that I'm that I'm going to forward contract. Right. But let's get something while there's a upper five or six in front of it. So, yeah, having a plan, having a plan in place more often than not. Um, I know these last two or three years have, have certainly been odd. Um, mm -hmm. more often than not having a plan is, is it's going to work. Well, Cole, great thoughts. And uh, we do appreciate you joining us here. Uh, anything final real quick before we let you go or anything you want to reiterate to folks here? Um, you know, it's, it's, we'll bring it back to the beans and it's a message we're sharing with our customers is, 
hey, we've rallied these things a buck twenty-five since you put them into storage. You you bet there is a weather scare right now going on in, in South America. But you know, just reminding them, hey, things as you guys know in your careers, things can change quickly. Let's let's get a plan and um, you know, not don't let this volatility dictate our decisions, but let's get in front of it, right? So yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Well, hey, we covered uh, some good ground here. Do appreciate you joining us yeah. on Market Talk today. Cole Stock with Western Grain Marketing. Thanks for being with us. And uh, I know we'll talk to you again soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, you too. Thanks, Jesse. All right. Up next, Josh Linville and Mike Castle from Stonex as we continue with more Market Talk right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here as we continue our coverage from the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention in Kansas City, Missouri, Josh Linville, VP of Fertilizer at StoneX. Josh, good to see you, buddy. You too, man. We do this on the radio all the time, but I uh, finally get to do it in person. I was to say, every couple of months uh, we get to see each other in person, so yeah. that's a good thing. And you brought a, brought a friend along as well, Mike Castle, Market Intelligence Senior uh, Fertilizer Analyst with StoneX as well. Mike, it's good to talk with you too. Yep. Great to be here. I was going to say, I've heard your name and, and seen your name on, on stuff before and emails and whatnot, so great to uh, put a face with the, with the name and uh, sit down and have a conversation here with you guys today. And let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in this marketplace. Uh, a lot of things on the fertilizer side, obviously a lot of things on the grain side too. Um, Josh, I'll kind of start with you on the, on the fertilizer side here. I know as we're getting fall nitrogen going and uh, a lot of uh, this late season field work and thinking about next year, uh, there's a lot of decisions being made right now with in terms of fertilizer, isn't there? Yeah, and it's that weird part of the year where we kind of have to take a step back and let the process go, right? Fall applications rolling and hydrous, phosphate, potash. And so we kind of take a back seat and start to see what happens because how good or bad the fall application is tells a lot of the story as we start moving into January, February, March for next year. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're waiting to see how some of these things play out. So far, so good. Really good weather patterns. Really good stories of demand out there. People are working through their inventory. So it looks like, by all accounts, it's going to be a very strong fall application season. Later on down the road, we're watching the world. We've got China, whose government has blocked urea and phosphate exports now. Mm -hmm. Europe, as of yesterday, a plant in Italy owned by Yara announced that they're going to shut down their nitrogen production facility because of economic reasons. That's a little bit spooky that maybe we're starting to find the bottom of the thing. Still a lot of tension in the Middle East. So while things have quieted down, there's a lot of things on the horizon we're watching that can certainly disrupt this thing in a matter of hours. Very, very true. Well, and, and watching... Uh, logistics and things as well and the, the river situation we talked about that and, and you know mike i can kind of throw this to you i know that uh, a lot of what's happening in the fertilizer markets can correlate itself to the grain markets too and just and watching things and i know south america of course is a hot topic and we think about supplies that need to go to south america for their season but if they have delays what could that do to you know, things in the U.S., there's there's a lot tied in with this the global picture 
for fertilizer and how it ties itself into commodities and more, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know that they're of... Obviously, the big story on the grain side here recently has been watching South American forecasts. Obviously, Brazil, extremely dry, with them being such a big importer on um, you know, fertilizers across the board as they kind of get into this position of delaying soybean plantings that has the potential to delay the following corn crop plantings as well, which means, you know, if they do, you know, shift out of corn in favor of soybeans, just the lower input requiring crop, um, you know, do we see a delay in urea imports? Do we see a delay in that fertilizer demand, which just comes at a very quiet time, obviously, of, you know, kind of now that that big Indian tender is out of the way, the next big thing is, okay, is Brazil going to step in? Is Europe going to step in? Do we see it come to null? Are we going to see it in the U.S.? And, you know, we kind of hit this quiet time, and as Josh always touches on, the fertilizer market does not do very well with those quiet times. So. <laughs> no, it does not. Well, and I wonder, too, if we do have a, a big South American weather story come to fruition here, how big of an impact could that potentially have on the fertilizer market here? So some of our growers in the U.S. are looking at things right now for next year, what if we do have a massive weather story that holds here in South America? How big of an impact is that on the fertilizer markets, do we think? I know we're conjecturing a little bit, but what do you think? Right. It, it comes down to just how bad is it? Is it just enough where we start to start, move some of the corn acres to soybeans, if that becomes a story? Phosphate potash is going to take a little bit of a hickey, but it's going to be more of a nitrogen-based story. And so then the question becomes, well, does North America become even more of a dumping ground? My flip side of that story would be if Brazil doesn't raise it, does that mean North America is going to start stepping in, taking the difference of it, and their demand starts to pop up, so we kind of need these vessels to come in. But, yeah, we all of a sudden start talking about a complete failure. That's a whole new story altogether. I mean, it's a lot of moving parts. It's all kind of theoretical. Got to see how it plays out. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, I sure hope it's something we're kind of theorizing about, and it never actually happens. Well, and as we think about things, uh, for farmers making – marketing decisions i know a lot of this will go in and tie into what they're doing for next year as well with their inputs etc so from a from a grain and fertilizer perspective here mike what what do th folks need to think about right now uh, as they're looking at their marketing plan and thinking about decisions for next year etc talk overall uh, about that what what do they really need to think about right now? Yeah, really, I would say the biggest thing to watch here in just the next month or so is what rainfall we do see in Brazil. Obviously, it's been a story kind of like we saw here in the U.S. through May, June, where it was, you know, nearby we stayed very, very hot, very dry, um, but the deferred forecast kept looking great, right? There's always this promise for rain in the, you know, 11 to 15-day forecast or so. And we've seen the same thing playing out in Brazil where, okay, the market's not going to get too concerned because there's, you know, plenty of rain in the forecast, but it's just not verifying it's not coming to fruition when we actually get there um, and we've seen some very very high temps and again that ongoing dryness but we are seeing a shift uh, you know even just today to again forecasts looking a bit more favorable here around you know our Thanksgiving uh, them finally getting some better rains here next week um, and the other thing I guess that is worth pointing out is just how much excess rain they get in that center west region you know we kind of think of you know when you look at an anomaly map let's say you know here in the U.S. we don't necessarily get a whole lot of extra rain to raise our crops mm -hmm. they're in a bit of a different situation so you know them Getting slightly below normal rainfall isn't as big of a deal as here if they're getting more than enough to grow it. So that's another thing is kind of looking at your total precip instead of anomalies down there uh, just to kind of see those rainfalls. You might see a map that looks really ugly. 
uh, you know, if it's an anomaly, if it's some kind of percentage difference from normal versus, okay, they're still getting several inches of rain. Um, but again, some areas have missed out. It's been very spotty. But really the biggest thing here in the next month is just watching if those forecasts verify to go ahead and finish soybean plantings, um, you know, get that crop off to a good start and then allow for the subsequent corn plantings after. Guys, we're against the clock. Do appreciate the time. Josh Linville and Mike Castle with StoneX. Thanks for joining us here today on Market Talk in Kansas City. We appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Yep, thank you. That's going to do it for Market Talk here today. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.